I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. What's up? Not much. Just feeling very zen this morning. Got to sleep in a little bit, have my coffee and start my day with you. So I'm feeling good. Okay. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, um. I will tell you that your skin is really glowing today. <laughs> <laughs> the melanin it, is melanin in. Yeah. It's doing his thing. Well, it's it's so funny that you should say that because I spent most of last week down in Big Sur mm-hmm. and it was, for most of the time I was there, it was just so sunny and I just sat outside in the sun for hours. Mm. And I was like sitting out there, I was writing, I was soaking it all in. It felt so good. And then I was just like, wow, my skin really hurts. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you get a black girl sun? Uh, burn? I got a black girl all the way sunburn. And oh, no. it was a good, it was a good lesson for me because I had to relearn some things and learn some things new and better about skin protection. Uh Yeah which I would love to share with everybody. So Please do. go right ahead. <laughs> First of all, a lot of us probably heard at some point in their lives that your melanin, you know, protects you mm-hmm. from the sun, which is not necessarily true. Um, you know, black people are less likely to get melanoma, but when we do, we're much less likely to survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is really important to wear a good sunscreen every day. And you know, many of us have like the moisturizer, like the face moisturizers that have SPF in it. Mm -hmm. But I realized the mistake that I was making was that I was using the amount just to moisturize my face. The amount that you need to actually get the skin protection is more. So at least Mm. a quarter size dollop in your hand where I was just using Mm. a little baby amount trying to conserve that expensive Mm. moisturizer. So, and ideally, like if you're going to be out in the sun, like at least an SPF 30 or higher, the moisturizers are usually like 15 or 20. And you need to reapply. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of uh, black girl sunscreen? I learned about it in church, actually. On you did? Yeah. <laughs> That's where actually I learned all this again. They just happen to, <laughs> our health ministry does these really great presentations kind of focusing on like our, our Black community in the congregation. Um, and they just happen to be talking about skin protection on Sunday. See? There you go. Yeah. They got good stuff. I like exactly. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I, I was, when you were saying you sat in the sun for a long time, I was like, oh my goodness, the people who are like, derm folks and everything mm-hmm. listening they're like oh no i know i know yeah i was just out there that's that sun was like you will never underestimate me again you <laughs> yeah like you you need sun you need sunscreen lady mm-hmm. one of the things in the front of my mind uh today did you know alana stone Mm-mm. okay alana stone trained at ucsf uh she was a medical student originally at emory who was in my very first uh, student small group. So I'm a small group advisor at Emory and 
every other year I take on a cohort of seven to nine medical students that I follow longitudinally through all mm -hmm. four years. Alana was in the very first cohort and I met her in 2007 on her first day of medical school, was with her on match day when she found out she was going to UCSF mm -hmm. primary care, stayed in contact with her um, and in a really beautiful full circle moment, she returned and joined our general medicine faculty at Grady Hospital and mm. I got to work with her. Unfortunately, a few years after Alana joined our faculty, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was caught very early. She was treated for it mm. and, um, you know, went into remission and was doing okay. And we were all at the SGIM meeting um, in DC one year and she was saying she didn't feel good. She felt like she had like a flu-like illness. She didn't feel good. Mm. But she said to me in DC that day that she has an ominous feeling and the oh. way that she feels reminds her of um, when she was being treated for breast cancer, something is really not right. Mm. She would learn that she had um, leukemia actually. And um, on July 10th, uh, 2017, she passed away. Oh, wow. Left behind a cute little little son who's probably a big boy now. Mm -hmm. But I, I was thinking about her because one, I, I wrote about her right after it happened. And I was just reading what I wrote back then. I'm really happy um, that I wrote some things about her, but also just how life is one of those things that you, you, you just cannot call what's going to happen yeah. and in what order and how you just got to live this life with all of your might and all you really have to leave to anybody is a legacy. You really don't have anything else to leave, you know? Yeah. And she and she was really somebody who was was excellent, excellent, mm -hmm. like clinically excellent as a human being. She did UCSF very proud because mm -hmm. here she was just on a trajectory to really take off. So I'm just speaking her name today, mm -hmm. Alana McKelvey Stone. Emory educated, UCSF trained, yes. and then Grady raised. Alana, you know, we remember you. I love you, girl. And um, I think about you all the time. Yes. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That was my girl. Party people. <laughs> it is now the time you have all been waiting for. Ashley and her hair, which is better known as Mahalia, are ready to unleash an mm. amazing story on you. Her skin is not peeling, it looks good, so she's survived the black girl sunburn. <laughs> and now is the time for you to find out what is the what. So sis, mm. tell me. I gave you a lot of time to think about what the world was. <laughs> I know. I was like, this wind up is. is you know, you know, you know, people think that we like actually have a whole like plan where we plan. All the, like, no, yes. we have no idea what the other person is going to say until they say it. I don't know what she about to tell y'all. Yeah. So tell us all, me included. <laughs> what, what is the what? The what is risk. Ooh, we have never used that one. No, definitely risk. not. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like risk. Okay. Cool. Risk. And yes, just to overemphasize, there's no preparation that happens beforehand. I am literally telling the story and like, you know, figuring it out as I go. So, so y'all. <laughs> it's your first time hearing the story too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the first time the words are leaving my mouth. So 
forgive me y'all. But yeah, though, the what is risk. And I'm actually going to share a little bit about my trip since it's fresh on my mind. And I want to give y'all a little taste of my experience this past week. So the reason why I was in Big Sur was I was at this kind of, uh, how do I describe it? It's like a wellness healing retreats, meditation center. It's this place called the Esalen Institute. Mm -hmm. Probably more folks in in the Bay Area and California have heard of this locale, but it's this institution that has a lot of history. It's been in place at least since the 60s. It's like this beautiful kind of sprawling campus down in Big Sur, like right next to the Pacific Ocean. Part of what this place is really well known for is these hot springs. Mm. So they have an area kind of on the campus, like right on these cliffs, like overlooking the ocean where they have hot spring baths that people come from all over to sit in. Pre-COVID, if you weren't staying at Esalen, you could come get in the bath, but you had to do it between the hours of like 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. <laughs> so oh, wow. That's actually how I heard of the place because when I was in residency, some of my friends would drive down to these hot springs like in the middle of the night. And I was just like, I ain't doing that shit. Like, I just want to sleep, but sounds really cool. So, you know, it's always kind of been in the back of my mind, but never really at the forefront until recently. And so I had this week off. I wasn't quite sure what to do with. I knew it was going to be like my last vacation before the holidays. The things are kicking up with new interns. And then I've got my own cohort of medical students starting in the fall. So it's just like, I really want to use this time well. And as y'all have been with me, you know, it's been an up and down journey with, you know, my, my mental health and, you know, dealing with depression and loss. And so mm-hmm. I was just like, let me do something that's going to kind of touch me in a place of healing, but also like maybe push the boundaries of my comfort zone, maybe like take some risk. And so I had been just kind of perusing the website, which I had done periodically. And then, you know, they have workshops there every week and, you know, they have different types of accommodations anywhere from being in a sleeping bag or staying in, you know, a $5,000 private cottage. So I was trying to find something maybe a little bit better than a sleeping bag, but (laughs) not going to break the budget or take up my entire paycheck. Uh-huh. But this place is so popular. A lot of times, the you know, these accommodations get snapped up. Everybody's trying to fill these workshops. So a lot of times when I look on the website, it, it, everything's already booked or it's too expensive. And I just happened to look a month ago and they had a space open, not for a workshop, but kind of like a self-guided, like you can go drop into classes as you want. But the most reasonable accommodation on there was a shared room. Oh, Wow. And like a shared room, meaning like you're going to roll up on a stranger, Mm -hmm. me and two other people in a room. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you know me, you know, that's a risk. And so I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to do it and we'll see what happens. At the very least, it'll keep me from staying in the room the entire time. Mm. So that was, that was the risk I took. I signed up for it kind of impulsively. And I was like, boom, we're doing this. Wow. So I'm driving down to Big Sur last Monday and, you know, I'd been excited for this, but as I'm driving, I started getting like a lot of kind of trepidation. I was just like, oh, this is real now. Like what the hell have I done? I'm about to just roll up in this place. Mind you, there's no cell phone service. Mm. There is like occasional Wi-Fi, but it's only available during certain hours in certain places. Oh, wow. Yeah. And as you might imagine, just given the type of place it was and the, the, the pricing, it typically attracts a certain demographic that mm. does not look like me. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And I got out the car and it was like actually like pretty cold. I mean, not super cold, but cold for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I check in and go to my room and I was the first one there, thankfully. So I snagged this little loft area that was like semi-private. It was like the real world where you first want to get to the house. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. You choose the best spot and <laughs> pray that everything turns out okay. But like the buildings, you know, especially like the accommodations that I went in weren't spectacular. You know, this mm-hmm. was, it was giving very summer camp vibes. <laughs> And I was just like, wow, okay, I paid a lot of money for this. Like, when, when is, <laughs> when do I get the return on investment? So I left the room. I just started walking around and I was feeling a little ill at ease, like a little definitely out of my comfort zone. This campus, it has a lot of just natural beauty. There's the ocean. There's also a river that flows through in addition to the hot spring baths. And so it's just a lot of nature. So I'm just walking around, kind of taking in the scene. There's a huge garden. And then at the very edge of the campus, there's this Zen meditation bench, you know, another little enclave where you can kind of sit and, and be still. And so as I was sitting there, I was really like feeling kind of an ancestral presence. Mm. I recognize that particularly when I'm feeling scared and a little out of place, I start to just talk to my grandmother Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was feeling a lot of that, a lot of her presence. And it was just like, you know, I wasn't completely at ease, but I could feel, I was like, okay, at least I'm not alone here. Yeah. So I I walk back to the lodge, like the main area and I'm just standing still and I finally like go inside because they're, they're still preparing meals, but they have like some soup out. So I go to get some soup and there's this woman who's standing there and she's like super kind, a little bit older white woman. And she was just like, I saw you standing out there and you just looked so peaceful. I was actually going to bring some soup to you. Mm. And so I remembered her face and like her kindness, it, it definitely put me more at ease. And so that night I met a couple other people who were also there kind of doing the self-guided experience. And there was just this level of openness and like everybody was there just kind of seeking something. And Mm -hmm. a lot of folks were there solo. There were couples who were there and other folks who were, you know, had been coming to Esalon for years and many people who were there for the first time, just like me. And, you know, it was just this very beautiful space of genuine human connection. Mm. The next day I got up and I told myself, I was like, I'm going to go to the first class. We'll just see what it is. The title was Pathways to Joy. Hmm. I was like, I could use some joy. So <laughs> I, I went to the class and the gentleman who was leading it, he was this very kind man with long, shocking white hair. And he's just like strumming on his guitar and leading us through this guided meditation. Very peaceful, very zen. And then he stops and he's like, okay, everybody get up. And he puts this music on and he's like, everybody's just start walking around, walking around the room. And then he's like, all right, start dancing. And then everybody, we have to start dancing. As he's doing this, he was like, we're taking risks. We're taking risks. Okay, now dance with someone you don't know, whoever you stop in front of. And so as you can imagine, this is literally my worst nightmare. Oh my gosh. I'm just (laughs) picturing you doing this. I'm like, whoa. But at the same time, I was just like, I just have to roll with it. I don't, this is the risk I'm taking. And he's literally like, we're taking risk. And so like, we're dancing, we're moving. And then he was like, all right, hold hands, get in a circle and like move around. And 
you know, suffice to say, it was both like absurd, but also just very joyful. Like it was mm. fun. Like there's this group of strangers doing all this crazy stuff. And I don't know, by the end, like everybody was smiling and just laughing. And it was just this very buoyant energy in the room. And, you know, obviously my words will fall short. But again, it was just like this cultivation of both joy and connection and energy. Mm. And so I, I left that workshop. And after that, I just spent more time alone and doing some writing. And, you know, the other important part of this institute is that the meals are all communal. Okay. Buffet style, like really healthy options. A lot of the food is either locally sourced or grown right there on the land. Mm-hmm. And the Wi-Fi is intentionally turned off during all meal times. There's no screens. Nobody's like looking down on their phone or their laptop. Wow. And so a lot of friends I made were made during mealtimes. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And so I think it was during lunch. I was eating my food. I was looking down and then I saw someone ask if they could sit down. I look up and it's the woman from the first day who, who was going to bring me the soup. And so we were talking and she asked, are you a writer? And I was just like, well, not exactly, but funny you should say that. It's like, it's one of my dreams. And she was just like, I saw you and I just knew that you were a writer. Wow. And get to talking and, you know, it's just this really kind, lovely conversation. And she asked me my name because she was like, I want to, I want to know your name so that when I see your name on a book one day, I'll, I'll remember you. So I gave her my name and then I asked her, well, I was like, what, what's your name? And she said her name was Shelly. Stop. Mm-hmm. Stop. Did you start crying? I didn't start crying. I was just, I, you know, it's hard to describe. <laughs> so for our listeners who don't know the significance of that name, Shelly is the name of Ashley's late uh, grandmother. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's significant. I mean, you know, yeah. it's not every it's not every day you meet a Shelly. I don't exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I know I know one Shelly, one other Shelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just like, wow. <laughs> and I told her, I was like, you know, that's my grandmother's name. And it, yeah, it was just like a really beautiful moment. This is, you know, the first day. Yeah. And of course, as we're talking, um, another woman had, had come up to to say hello. It was someone I had met the night before. And another lovely, lovely soul. And she was asking me, she was like, Ashley, have you been down to the, the hot springs yet? And I was just like, well, I've, I've looked down at the baths because the baths are also clothing optional. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, and by that, I mean, everybody's naked. Uh-huh. Everybody opts out. <laughs> yeah. Everybody opts out. It's like, it's a, it's the brave thing if you choose to wear clothes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I was just like, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to do it, but maybe later towards the week, I, you know, I, it's a, I'm a little shy. I don't know about all that. And she was just like, I really think you should try it. So I asked Shelly after that conversation, I asked Shelly, was like, what do you think of the baths? I was thinking about going towards the end of the week. I'm a little scared. <laughs> and she was just like, you know, I've been here before and I did the same thing. I waited till the end of the time and then I later regretted it. So when I came this time, I went day one to try to just set the tone. And she was like, actually, I choose to wear clothes. Just, that's just how I am. Mm. And, um, but she was like, I would really encourage you to do it. So I was like, all right. After that meal, I walked outside and I see the sun starting to come out. 
Because that was the other thing was like, well, I don't like getting in water and it's cold outside. I don't like being mm-hmm. wet and cold. That was like, you know, to me, that's like my worst fear about, you know, ways I could die is being cold and wet. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, this might be the only time the sun comes out. And so if I'm going to do it, I, I should just do it now. And I'm going to be like, Shell, I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off. And I had decided to myself, I was like, I'm going to do it without clothes. Okay. Yeah. And for some who might be listening, like, this is not a big deal. For me, it is a big deal. You know, that's not something I do and hadn't done before, but we're taking risk. So I go get my stuff and I go down. It's like this kind of sloping pathway down to the bath. It's it's very much set apart from the Institute because they want to make sure like you're not bringing any electronics, no phones, no pictures, like you're just bringing yourself Mm -hmm. and your towel. Mm -hmm. I get down to the the area and I was just like, okay, there are no changing air. There's no changing rooms. So I like, I just duck into a bathroom stall and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> we're doing this. So I take my clothes off and I just like shove them into my bag. And I was like, okay, we're, we're, we're at the baths. Like we're doing this. Wow, we're taking risks. We're taking risks. So I'm, I'm like, you know, it's just me and my birthday suits hang hang my stuff up and I walk into like the outdoor area there's these there's like a there's like big communal baths but then there's like also like single bath tubs where you just like pump in the hot springs water everybody's naked and everybody's just chilling and I like walk up to like an open bath and you know I just ask a neighbor I was like hey how do I do this and you know another very kind soul naked white man was just like, oh yeah, you just, you just do this, this, and this. And, you know, and I, I did it. And as I'm doing it, I was just like, you know, perhaps these waters are healing. Maybe they're not, but what, what was healing was like being in my body and being in a black body in that space. And just like, I felt very liberated Mm. and it was also kind of a beautiful experience of a collective vulnerability. You know, it was just also like deeply human. It was mm. just bodies, you know? Right, right. And it was just like completely desexualized. Everybody was just there, like very present. Mm. You know, there's no distraction. Some folks were reading, some folks were just staring at the ocean. Some folks were taking a nap and, you know, just enjoying this very ancient natural water. I'm so glad I did that on the first day because I went back every day after that and it, there was wow. no nerves. It was just tits out. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard that. Yeah. Heard that. Needless to say, you know, there are many other things that happened throughout the week. Y'all can hit me up separately if you want to hear more stories, but I'm so glad that I did that. I got what I needed out of that week. Yeah. It was beautiful. There were so many beautiful connections that I made, but I think most importantly, I was very connected to myself. Mm-hmm. I was connected to my grandmother. I was connected to a whole army of ancestors that were rooting for me. Mm. And yeah. it has been hard to come back. I will say that, but to go a week without any, any distractions, no, no phones, no, no internet, no cell service, and just being very, mm. very in tune with the natural rhythms of, of life was healing and I would highly recommend it. This place has a very robust scholarship system. So, you know, if the prices seem absurd, it's because part of that money goes towards funding folks who wouldn't be able to afford it otherwise. So excellent Institute, check it out. We'll have it in the show notes. Thank you. (laughs) Cause we got show notes now. (laughs) That's beautiful. 
I mm. love that. I love that you did that for yourself and gave yourself that gift mm-hmm. and that you were vulnerable and that you took a risk. You know, I, I was having to like sort of coach myself just to, you know, listen without bias and without, you know, oh my gosh, you know, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 I, and I think that's, that, that's part, of, part of the whole beauty of this story. It, it kind of made me take a few steps back and think about, well, why is it beside the cost, a certain demographic that feels safe enough to be able to wade in that water. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, we wade in the water, but we, we don't be wading in, in, no, in no, that kind of water in Big Sur. Yeah. And maybe, you know, some of these ideas that we get over time about who we are and what we can do and can't do and what we should do and shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. It's sort of us buying into, you know, ideas of who we are when every single person is just sort of like an individual person i also like wonder like well what what would you have done if you were with somebody you Mm -hmm. know what i mean because you also needed to be by yourself i think as i hear the story i think to myself like gosh you know if i went and did that with people that i trust even i think i would have had my clothes on Mm -hmm. probably if i was by myself i probably could have talked myself into Mm -hmm. you know taking that leap so that too is like well hey maybe the person you need to check in with the most is you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe you are the person who needs to permit yourself to try new things and, you know, let people see that you got some cellulite on your right thigh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah. realize that they actually don't care. <laughs> yeah. I was feeling a lot of that in terms of you know, maybe this would be easier if I had a friend, but I, I think it's just, it's a different vibe when you're there with someone because you're a certain person with your friends. Yep. And this kind of gave me permission to just, just to, to be who I was like in that moment. And, mm. and it wasn't Ashley, the doctor or like the black doctor or like whatever, like it was just me. And that was what was so important. And I think also, I think it's important to set intentions before you do something like that to understand like what it is that you're actually meeting I I did that with my therapist before I left. And I think that was really helpful for me to understand, Mm -hmm. like, what is my intention here? And how am I, how am I honoring that? The other thing about us and those spaces, us meaning the Black community, I think, you know, because when I think about risk, I think risk for us is weighted a lot differently than other folks. Like anything that you do that seems maybe a little out of pocket is going to be heavier, just given, you know, it's already a risk just existing. There's also belonging to our own community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, when you were when you first started telling the story and you were like, oh, I went to Big Sur by myself to this Eat, Pray, Love Institute. <laughs> um, I started to joke you about it. You know, really, mm-hmm. I did. I started to, to kind of joke you about it. But I, I, I said, well, why am I doing that, though? Mm-hmm. Why am I why am I saying that? Mm-hmm. Why am I saying something that suggests that Ashley is an incredible outlier because she's interested in going to Big Sur by herself or she wants to go and look at eucalyptus trees or look at, you know, astronomy? Why, why can't she do that? Why can't that be okay for that to mm-hmm. be her interest? And the truth is that metaphorically, we all have things that if we were permitted to or if we permitted ourselves to, that we would have 
full interest in that we could really get into more, but we just sort of walk a line, right? That is like, okay, you know, this is what we do and this is what we don't do. And there are some things that, you know, as a black American that are just true, truly how I feel and what I like to do that do align with black culture. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember um, about 10 years ago, um, my younger sister got me tickets to see James Taylor in concert at the Hollywood Bowl. And she knows that like, low key, that's one of my favorite artists ever. And I just, this little white man on his um, guitar singing his little sad songs. Mm-hmm. It's just <laughs> one of my favorite things. But, you know, it's not that many people I can just be like, yo, go with me to see James Taylor in concert. Mm-hmm. My sister and I went to this concert and my sister like is very sort of unapologetic about her interest in all sorts of things. But mm-hmm. that was always something that I kind of kept on the low. And I was so happy and it was so good. And I was like, well, why does this have to be reserved only for certain people? Like this yeah. is, so that's something I'm trying to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, like loving the things that culturally align with me, but also opening my soul up to, to all sorts of other adventures. Yes. That, that you may not immediately assign to a black girl from Inglewood. Yeah. I think sometimes we fall into the risk of overly identifying with a particular group or particular narrative. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was, and am like that still to a certain degree I'm working on it, or at least not feeling so self-conscious about the fact that I really like, I really love nerding out on certain things like, right. like trees and planets and the cosmos. And right. I, I, yes, I am black and I love black culture, but I'm, you know, that is not the, the fullness of my experience. I was self-conscious about going to therapy. I didn't think black people went to therapy. I thought black people went to church until my pastor, Rudy Rasmus told me he was in therapy. (laughs) That's when I started going. (laughs) Exactly. And y'all, I'm still working on how I feel about hiking. I still don't understand hiking. Um, (laughs) I know know a lot of black people who hike though. Yeah. Go walking where? What's what's the end game here? Where are you going? Do when you get (laughs) yeah. I love that. I love that you had that time to yourself and Mm -hmm. that you filled your own cup back up. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Shelly for you know rolling up on you and talking to you and blessing you with um you know maybe with some prophetic words. Who knows? You know Mm -hmm. we might be at your book signing (laughs) in the next couple of years. Who knows? So yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe we can all make a commitment to take some risks, some big risks, some small risks, but just kind of talking yourself out of just standing in the same box. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, sis, I love you and your melanated skin <laughs> that now I'm sure you will put sunblock on. Yes. Yes. I've done some gentle exfoliation and we are now going to be sun protected from here on out. Yes. yes. Well, have the most amazing week. Do epic things, take risks and walk up to a stranger and affirm them to pay it forward. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially 
shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla. Holla.